And it was like, like an amazing team of people who were trying to build this new language and trying to understand all the out of sequences and talking to the actors about where their technical turns are because they had their own level. Like, you know, we had a week of rehearsal with Diego and Sienna to get some of the conversation out of the way because there was so much conversation to be had. When are we in the present? When are we in the past? What do I know here? Where do we both turn at this point? Is this past or present? Like it's both in a way, you know, like. Hello, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America. Today's episode takes us behind the scenes of director Tara Mealy's new romance drama, Wander Darkly. The film follows a couple who, shortly after becoming parents, experience a disaster that takes them on a surreal and disorienting journey through both their past and an uncertain future. In addition to Wander Darkly, Ms. Mealy's other directorial credits include the feature films Starving in Suburbia, Gone Missing, and The Lake Effect, the movie for television Lost Boy, and episodes of the series Batwoman, Arrow, and Hawaii Five-O. Ms. Mealy spoke with fellow director Rachel Lee Goldenberg about filming Wander Darkly in front of a virtual audience. Listen on for their spoiler-filled conversation. Hi, Tara. <laughs> Rachel. <laughs> I am just so excited to be doing this. I um. I watched the movie and then I texted you and I was thinking, oh, I have so many questions for Tara. And then you asked me to do this. And so now I just get, this is just my chance to ask all the questions that I selfishly wanted to ask, Uh, but we can make other people watch us do it. I love it. I mean, like in another world, we would be at a bar doing this. So we'll just have that conversation. Yes. In another world. Um, I I wanted to start uh, with, something that we've talked about, about being a writer, because you're a writer director and this film, your film, so first of all, the film is brilliant and it's just ambitious. And it's also so cool to see it as sort of a, knowing some of your other work, see it as sort of a continuation of that journey. And I want to talk about that journey, but I was curious um, because it's such a visual film and such a specific stylized film, um, how you worked as a, as a writer, how much of that is in the script, how much that you know, how you sort of thought of those two roles. Yeah, Um, I think, you know, it's interesting. Um, It's such an evolution. I really try to put like the foundation and characters first and then let the style evolve out of that. So like as a writer, um, the first impetus was uh, my husband and I got in this uh, bad car crash and thank goodness we're fine. But um, I did have a heavy concussion and I had that moment that um, Adrian has on the couch where she's calling to her baby and the baby's ignoring her because she's a baby. And I was like, oh my God, I died. And it was such like a clear thought for me just for a split second. It seems so true. And then a second later, it was mm-hmm. obviously so not true, but I was really fascinated with that. Like how, um, what a, um, an unreliable narrator I was like, you know, from moment to moment mm-hmm. in that state. Um, And then a few weeks later, we were better, you know, like we were at my parents' house and it was Thanksgiving and everyone's like fighting over the turkey and the kids are crying. And um, I just was deeply overwhelmed with gratitude for the fact that we were still living these messy, delicate little lives. Um, And that was the beginning. I was like, oh my God, I just want to share this feeling with as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. So for me, the whole journey started with like an emotional, like, feeling that I was like, I got to get this feeling out. I got to put this on. I have to like somehow get this out. And it was like a few weeks later, I think I woke up in the middle of the night and I had wanted to do something about like a long-term relationship and the best and the worst of a couple and what makes us who we are and what means you should stay or go. Like I was really interested in that exploration anyway. Um, But I sort of woke up in the middle of the night, like, oh, I know the beginning, middle and end of a story that I think could give you this feeling at the end. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then Um, when I sat down to write it, it was definitely like, uh, cards everywhere. It was like, you know, like this idea of cards everywhere. And I knew that the couple was going to talk to each other about the, the memories within the memories. Like I knew some of the voice of it and how that would go. Um, but normally I have such a specific treatment that you could like read and it would be the movie. And in this one, the treatment seemed crazy. Like, it just seemed like nobody can read this. I can tell I execute it it's not going to make sense, you know? Um, and then it wasn't Mm -hmm. until like maybe the second draft, like I sent that very first draft off to Lynette Hal Taylor, who was a good friend and who had expressed like interest. She was the one who was like, go spec that. Like, that's a great idea. Go spec that. And Mm -hmm. um, 
it wasn't until she sort of started developing it with me where she was like being my audience a little bit. So all of the things that were like deep back in my head about, well, that, how does that transition work? How's that going to work? Tell me more, tell me more, tell me more. Mm-hmm. So she was really good at like forcing me to pull out what was sort of buried back deep in my head to make me put it on the page. So that by the time we got to the production phase or prep phase, a lot of it was really on the page. Um, but I have found like, if I get too thinking about who the actors are, thinking about what the color palette is, I can just really like skip all the hard work of the writing and like get right to the directing stuff. And so I really try to like wait and like change hats at some point, like late in the writing process. So just to be really specific, like in the script, does it say like camera transition thus to X or like, yeah. like what is? I try never to write the word camera, but I, I think maybe it says like the world spins and we find them. Like I do a lot of like, we find them and we are yeah. in, you know, like yeah. I do a lot of that. So um, specifically it was like, you know, um, I think I use that one in particular for when they kiss and the camera swoops under the bed and comes back mm-hmm. up. But I didn't know that that was how we were going to execute that until maybe two weeks before we were about to shoot, because we were working through the transitions. We had a plan for each one of them. Carolina Costa, who is our cinematographer, did not come in until three weeks before we shot, which was really challenging. Um, But that was her idea. She like had, I think she's, you know, she pulled it out of another, like a commercial or something, somewhere that she had seen it. And she was like, oh, I think we could do this with the bed. And I was like, oh, that's great. Let's do that. You know, I had sort of pictured a more around the world thing with like blurring lights. And, um, but it worked great. And it's like a wonderful addition that she brought. So the other one was um, when Adrienne is in the hospital hallway and she walks out and she's in the alleyway. Um, I remember sitting in prep and saying, I think what I'd like to do, because I want to do everything as much in camera as possible. And I said, I'd love yeah. it just we we were going to be on the Bray Boulevard and I said we just build like a small flat that looks just like the hospital wall we paint it the same we like put on a box or something like makes it look like legit and then we're just going to pan with her and it'll go it'll just be super seamless and my producers were like like we don't own the Bray Boulevard like we can't like build like a whole you know and then the of course the lighting department was like we can't just have daylight we have to like tent it and I was like okay, well, so can we do it though? And everyone's like, yeah, <laughs> like everyone just did it. Like, so uh-huh. it, was, it was constantly big, big, big asks. I was yeah. constantly just like, can we get a 75 foot crane to get over the LACMA light so I can do this transition? Like, yeah. can we, you know, it was just, can we go out to get dolphins for three days? Like, can we, you know, it was this constant, like asking for yeah. crazy things. I mean, it makes the movie feel huge. Like it really, it, the, the scope just feels epic and the way that you're going from space to space just gives it this, yeah, it, it, it gives, I can tell you were harassing people <laughs> for the things you wanted because it, because it does have that big, it feels big. Um, so in terms of that, then just because the whole, everything I've done is much more based in reality, even when it's a musical still feels much more based in reality. I'm just curious about how you conveyed to the crew and to the cast, like how much did you let them in on what's real? Did you even establish what's real or what's not? Like, how did you talk about the, the world? Yeah, so the way that I always thought about this was that it was an emotional reality for her. So she was really clear with this idea that like she felt dead inside and it's all along. I don't know if everyone's seen the movie. Spoiler alert! But you know, it's because I know on the podcast. I've watched it. Spoiler-filled conversation. It is spoiler-filled. <laughs> okay. So, like the fact that she feels dead inside is sort of what happens when you're deeply grieving, right? So mm-hmm. it's like she has this emotional reality. It's the same thing when she doesn't trust him. She just has this sense that something else is going on than what's being told to her. So, like the whole thing I said is about her emotional reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and we were constantly in her perspective. Like everything the camera does is like the beginning we're like trapped and we're static and we're stuck. And then as soon as the car crash happens, we're like crazy and like, like swinging everywhere. And then as soon as Mateo shows back up in her world on the bridge, we go into this very verite grounded place. So mm-hmm. it's somehow just his presence has like grounded her back into mm-hmm. something that feels more normal and more like regulated and more natural. Um, and then that lasts like all the way until the wedding. And when she wakes up in the morning, it's everything's totally static, like completely mm-hmm. dead. And mm-hmm. I remember in our edits, like watching it with an audience thinking, why did I even give that clue? Like, why did I change it right in that moment? You know, like 
you want the audience to feel like, oh, something's mm-hmm. off, but you don't want the audience to get ahead of you and be like, oh, right. with that, you know. Um, so yeah, so, and then at the very end, everything's on Dolly and everything's really smooth, except when we're on the water because you can't be on Dolly on the water. But. That was another question I had actually that you were just, just touching on of the audience and how, because you have, because like, congratulations, you pulled off like a, a huge <laughs> twist. Like I both, literally both times I watched it, I got chills. <laughs> she oh, just really so working with the system. She built a thing that really <laughs> is effective. <laughs> got me twice. Um, and, but so I'm, I'm curious about that, like how much you, yeah, how much you thought about audience and like how much information you wanted to give and what just, yeah, what, what the whole approach was there. Yeah, I mean, I definitely didn't want anyone to know, you know, like from the minute I had the idea, the idea ended with, but he's the one who died. And when I started sort of like, you know, you do, I, I don't know if you do this, but like I do like very careful soft pitches to people who I love and trust just to see what their mm-hmm. faces do when I tell them what I want to do. So I would always mm-hmm. tell the pitch and then be like, but he's the one who died. And everyone would go, <gasps> and I was like, that's <laughs> like, that's, that's working, you know? Like, so if I can get that in the movie, right? With the emotional resonance of it, that people are like, oh my God, you know, like then, then I'm doing what I set out to do in the first place. So I find it super gratifying when people don't know what's coming or if they, you know, feel it at the end, if it really resonates that way. Um, but what we realized in, in like the pre-screens with just friends and family was not everybody was going to, like some people are going to figure it out early. Um, it didn't seem to matter whether or not they figured it out. They still were along for the ride. They still enjoyed the movie. And so that was at the end of the day, what mattered was like, even if you know, you could watch the whole thing again and still enjoy that journey with her knowing exactly what's going on. So- I not know. I feel like I was like your ideal dumb it. it was just like in the palm of your hand every- <laughs> So by the way, I'm like a really good audience. Like I'm yeah. like, like, <laughs> like, I hate horror movies because I'm so upset by them. I'm like, oh God. <laughs> like a real good audience yeah uh so then with through your screenings how how was the movie shaped in the edit the the first time I watched I thought wait can I make a because the first time I watched I thought oh my god there's a billion variables here she probably I bet the movie changed 20 times like that like completely it feels like there's just so much and then the second time I watched and I saw how much how careful it was and the things I hadn't noticed before I was like oh I've I there's actually I think that there's less change than I thought. Maybe I think it's like a lot of this was already here and this is probably a lot of this mirrors the script exactly. Yeah, I mean, it was such a matter of degrees. That was the wildest thing that I found. We would do these screenings and the movie would be too long and a little messy, but people would really feel it. And then you would go in and just clean it up Mm -hmm. and shorten it. And suddenly people were like, yeah, it's good, but they weren't feeling it. And you're like, what happened? Mm -hmm. Or like, you would do like change one scene and people hated her and you would change one scene and people hated him. And like, it was mm-hmm. screening. We had fights. People were breaking out in fights about who was like more like liable in their relationship. It was like uh-huh. very Rorschach test, you know, in our, in our audience experiences. But, um, I did, I, you know, some of the things that really changed in that experience were needing to let the audience in on the, the love and the nuclear family of their relationship, like right up front. Like instead of coming into family with problems or couple with problems, it was like, we had to just set up a little bit of the real inciting incident was they had this baby. And so like setting up the, like the love and the little bit of like nervousness, even in Diego's face in that scene, Mm -hmm. and then launching Mm -hmm. back into like, oh, we don't have dates and we don't, you're not responsible. You're not here. And that whole thing, it really like rooted people um, Mm -hmm. in a good way. Uh, and then the other thing that changed significantly, um, I would just say there was like a little bit of, um, when they're like at the rooftop party and we get a glimpse of him leaving, it was like, we had to sort of understand a little bit of what was going on for her early on and not save all of that for the end. Otherwise the audience wasn't with her. So there were those like kind of little things that we added transitions that wouldn't have been there otherwise. Mm-hmm. You know? planned for but very few of those I mean everything like everything was so planned to like a look had to go to the transition yeah. to yeah. go to the thing had to you know so it was all pretty pretty locked and we had no time you know <laughs> it was like <laughs> so um as much as it feels epic and scopy we were moving constantly we shot in LA so we only had 24 days with mm-hmm. two pickup days on the water 
Um, it was, and we joked that we were making the revenant. I mean, we were like, you know, it was a real, it was a really intense shoot. Like definitely yeah. the most intense you had so many locations for a 24 day shoot. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, it was nuts. And it was like, you know, like an amazing team of people who were trying to build this new language and trying to understand all the out of sequences and talking to the actors about where their technical turns are. Cause they had their own level. Like, you know, we had a week of rehearsal with Diego and Sienna just to, to get some of the conversation out of the way because there was so much conversation to be had. When are we in the present? When are we in the past? What do I know here? Where do we both turn at this point? Is this past or present? Like it's both in a way, you know, like, so, um, so even just mapping that as one conversation that the two of them are having throughout the movie helped. Like if you How just- How did you talk about that with them? Um, you know, like I said, we did have a week of rehearsal, which was amazing. We, we went through with highlighters and said like, this is where you're talking in the present, this is the turn. So they'd be at the same point, you know? Um, but a lot of it, a lot of it was like interpretation. So it was like a conversation about, you know, how you, how, how we each envisioned what that would feel like. And um, mm -hmm. we had a lot of, a lot of time, I think because the script was so vulnerable and so personal, um, it was a lot of time spent in like sharing what their experiences were with like grief, with loss, with um, breakups, with you know, divorce, with uh, kids, right? Like as parents. Um, and also like any sort of thing of anything supernatural, anything like um, spiritual, anything like, did you ever have a bad feeling about something and then avoid the thing, you know, like mm -hmm. sort of that, that, that uncomfortable place of the unknown mm -hmm. and sharing those things. So there was a lot of trust built, you know, before we got yeah. to set. And even still, there were days on set where one scene would feel really tricky for mm -hmm. either, either or both of them. And it was like a, you know, a long hour and a half conversation to like, make sure that it was as elevated on the screen as it was on the page. And that it felt, mm -hmm. you know, I think some of it was just really tricky to execute when you're saying like, I'm dead, you know, like, yeah. it, like I think Sienna really had to get herself to a state where she was sort of unmoored mm -hmm. and like really floaty and mm -hmm. not as lucid and that feeling of lack of control was really, really hard for her and was really yeah. working. So she would yeah. be freaking out. And then all of us behind camera would be like, oh my God, she's so good. Like she's so good. Yeah. And it would be this kind of dissonance and me just constantly being like, I promise it's working. Like it's, it's yeah. Cool. I mean, that's, yeah. I, I like the performances. I was blown away by them, not only because they're, they're really fantastic performances, but just how many layers they have to, you know, they have to work in like, a, like really specifically those scenes. I love those scenes in the flashbacks where they're talk, where they're in the scene, but also talking as their present, I don't know, pre present day yeah. self in the past. And I was curious about that, like how, that's one of those things that, you know, once we see it executed, it seems very obvious and it, cause it just works. And so that, so it's like, you know, it seems like an easy magic trick because you, you pull it off. But then in the moment I was thinking right. about working with actors and, and how, emotional that can be and how, you know, how that feels like the kind of thing you can get stuck in your head for hours being like, wait, but I'm, how am I, am I acting like present self or past self and how do yes. I do that? Yes. And so there was, there was a lot of that, honestly, I think they're both uh, incredibly intelligent and, um, you know, analytical, and like Diego was like, you know, I'm trying to play this intention and then I have this intention and you want them at the same time. And it's like, it's not as easy as it, you know? And I was just like, I completely get it. I know it's almost impossible, but it's not impossible. And like, let's just approach it. Like it's going to be amazing. And I have to say like, they just put themselves on the map for me in such a vulnerable way every day. You know, like I think the very first day we shot, Diego got slid into a morgue drawer. Like, you know, it was like, we, it was crappy scheduling of indie films. Like it was, yeah. um, there was, there wasn't, and also look, to be perfectly frank, like I don't have a legacy of films behind me where I can say, guys, trust me, I have done a hundred amazing films that you all love and know. Like this, this was like a, a new thing that I was trying to craft and like a, a you know, breaking a, a, a level in my own career. So there was nothing to really point to, to be like, well, see? It, that's true. And then it's also just such an ambitious project that even, 
even the even any A-list director, I feel like would have to be like, all right, here's like I don't trust me yeah. on this one. You know, did, was there anything yeah, specific that you like? How did you? What was your approach for gaining the trust of your of them and of your team? Like, what did you? How did yeah. you think about that? I mean, I think thank God everyone really loved the script, and so that carried a long way. Um, and then, and then it was just like holding the discomfort every day. Mm -hmm. Honestly, like, I don't know what else you can do except like yeah. keep plowing through these difficult things. Everybody's there. Nobody's walking away. Nobody's going to mm -hmm. like quit. You know, mm -hmm. I had a lot of side conversations with everybody. I had like, um, you know, the, the biggest moments of like vulnerability and doubt were probably from the actors. The crew was so excited. Like they were like having like the best time, like building all these crazy rigs and do, mm -hmm. you know, um, mm -hmm. I think they were all in it and people really personally um, connected to the material in a way that was really beautiful. So like on set, mm -hmm. even the way that the crew was kind of reacting to the beauty of what was happening really bolstered me enough to be like, okay, I'm not mm -hmm. crazy. Like I can continue mm -hmm. to bolster the actors in a way that's yeah. honest and that I believe in it. Um, but, you know, it, I think probably some of the hardest things was because it was personal there was like an added layer of like, also like defending your life while you're trying to defend the material mm -hmm. or defend the work. Um, and, mm -hmm. and, and it was like so much in my head, the visual style of it that, and the, the way that it would work that sometimes I wasn't even sure what wouldn't come across clearly. Mm -hmm. Like there was so much weird stuff and so much new mm -hmm. stuff. It was like, mm -hmm. which weird thing are we concerned about? Like, or what, mm -hmm. what thing do I have to translate for you? And I think my producers were really amazing in, in being like secondary voices for me in that and sort of getting in my, like, we called it like the wander darkly head. Like you had to get brainwashed into like the headspace mm -hmm. of the movie. You really had to let go. When people sit and really try to like watch it and yeah. like make sense of it in the moment, I think it's really not fun. Like if you mm -hmm. can let go and that's sort of the message, message of the movie, you know, as well right. as this sort of like letting go. Um, but I think when people let go and like allow themselves to go on the journey, it trusting, it'll get you to a good place. You know, it yeah, was, love, that's yeah. such a cool way to think about it. And yeah, I can imagine that, that being you, you having such a clear idea, but then having to sort of, yeah, to, to defend it to people. I can picture that. Yeah. Do you, given that it was so emotional and, and so abstract in so many ways, the, the, the project, the essence of the project, were there any sort of hard and fast rules that you had with the DP or with, you know, like, did you have any like yeah. never or are we always? Yes, yes, yes. Um, we, the specific marching orders were, um, I was there that day. I know it seems crazy, but it was magic. It felt just like this. It, it was beautiful and it was just like this. So I never wanted like a big lighting shift. But that's something you would say. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We were like, I was there that day. That was the marching orders. Like it always had to feel as grounded as possible. Like, mm -hmm. even if you were like, I'm here in one time and then I come over here and I'm in a different time. I didn't ever want to see like a huge, big surrealistic lighting shift where you could feel like the hand, like we have some time lapses, right. Mm -hmm. But we don't have anything that's like a red light shines on her face. And then she turns yeah. like, so there was a, a pretty specific, like she could turn in frame and then we could cut to her POV and then come into a new space. Mm -hmm. But I never wanted it to feel um, like, yeah, that, I mean, that was a really fine line that we were constantly like negotiating. Like, what does that mm -hmm. mean exactly? And how could it? Mm -hmm. That's, yeah, that's cool. Sounds so challenging. Yeah, Just, just, really specifically because it was so ambitious you had so many days how many takes are we talking about per like is this uh what do you get to do um it, you know it depends it's interesting some of the performance stuff like when we were in the bedroom and doing some of like the really really intense shots like between the two of them and those conversations i would say maybe we got to six or seven or maybe eight once in a while once in a real while um and then we would do series sometimes just to build up the emotion so they wouldn't have to break. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, it wasn't a ton, you know, it would, um, or because we were so scrappy. I remember when we were shooting out at, on the street at night, the lights kept getting in the shot. I was going to murder, you know, it was like, you're like freaking out because the actors are doing this big performing and there's like a huge light in your shot. And you're like, why didn't we know this before we started rolling? And now it's a reset. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. so there was a lot of that kind of stuff, just like the regular stuff. Um, 
but we just did not have time to be going again and again and again. So like maybe three or four would mm -hmm. be like a sweeter spot in there, um, which I think is a shame. Like I'm really looking forward to what happens on a set when you can like have a few swings at something or like play or, you know, like explore on set. Like, I don't even know what that's like. I've never yeah. asked that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Can you I didn't try to like maintain that space. Like I would constantly be like, I'll never move on because we're not done. Like I'll never, yeah. you know, if we're not done, like, so let's play. Like, let's, let's just, let's just play. Like don't yeah. worry about it. And like do a crappy one. I don't, you know, I don't care. Like let's do the worst one we've ever done. Who cares? Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, I, I feel like that. I do wonder actually, maybe it's a good time to talk about our shared past because oh, yeah. I feel like that I have that exact same of instinct of like oh like you can't you have to get it and like so whenever someone says we only had time for one take I'm like well, what does that mean but so then you just moved on when you were two takes you're like but if you didn't get it so you just moved on and you know we so the for for those watching uh the way that I know Tara very specifically I don't even know if you remember this or not is that I so I had been making a bunch of very weird B movies. And then, uh, and then I got reached out to by like a company that had slightly more cred and slightly higher budgets than my really, really like VFX filled dragon movies um, by Sharon Bordas at Mar Vista. And she reached out and I was like, sort of had made, had made a bunch of these movies and was sort of like, I don't know if I can like, it's so hard. And they're like, despite best efforts, they still kind of suck. And like, I don't know if I can do this. And so I was sort of exhausted <laughs> of low budget world when she reached out to me and she said, well, will you just do one thing before you decide? Will you just call Tara? Tara is the director that we've worked with and she like figures out how to make a good version of this movie. And she's like smart. And I think you're gonna like her. And can you just call her and like get her to tell you that this can be cool and that I'm normal. <laughs> and so that was that was literally the context that I called you and was being like, hey, so they want me to make this movie and there's one yeah. I might do about like a polygamous compound and like, and tell me about your, your experience. I dragged you in. I was like, yeah, do it. It's great. <laughs> yeah. But so, you know, so do you want to talk just a little bit about, about that experience yeah. and what, and, and, um, and then I'm curious about how it, cause I went back and watched, watched one of your films and sort of. Oh, you it's interesting. There's probably some parallels. So, um, yeah, I did three movies with Mar Vista, um, like back to back, like over the course of three years. And what was great for me was, um, you know, nobody was hiring women to do anything at, or at least whatever. They weren't hiring me at the time. I had made a micro budget feature that they had almost distributed. And then I knew Sharon from the picket line of the writer's strike. And so we stayed friends and she was like, I think I could get a woman hired here. So I think I was the first woman that Marvista had ever hired to direct. Whoa, I didn't and know that. In the seventies, yeah, since they opened in the seventies. Um, and by the way, they make all these Lifetime movies. So I don't know if anybody knows this, but like historically, Lifetime movies were all directed by men. Um, so I got to do like, you know, a movie about a missing girl on spring break, and then the next one they were like, do you want to do a Christmas movie or an anorexia movie? And I was like, Christmas movie. And they were like, no, do the anorexia movie. I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. And then they told me about this thing, which is called the inspiration, which is these cults of young girls online who are inspiring each other to be anorexic. And I went down a real rabbit hole. Um, I think I was pregnant at the time and I did like all this research and I came into the kitchen and I go to my husband, I bet I could lose 20 pounds in 20 days. And he was like, what? And I was like, I'm going to eat a sandwich. And then it just was like this, such a weird, dark cultish world. They had wanted to do the movie one way, which was like a mom saving this starvation pact of kids. And I wrote that version and it sucked. And I called them and I said, I'll turn this draft in, but you should know it sucks. And I have a better version that I want to do. And I told them I wanted to do like a possession movie about anorexia and like a horror, like, you know, this is not your mom's anorexia movie. And they were like, okay. And so they let me do this crazy, dark cult movie about anorexia and a girl who gets possessed by Anna, which is what all these girls online call anorexia. They pray to her, they worship her. It's horrifying. Um, so that I can see that has some parallels, right? Like I really tried to get in this young girl's head and manifest on screen the emotional reality of like what it felt like and how dark it really was. And then on top of that, we were like, we have this whole thing about 
being on the internet and having these chats, right? Cause she's in all these chats. And I kept thinking about like, what does it feel like when you're on your computer? Cause it doesn't feel like you're staring at a screen. At some point it's like really immersive. You lose the whole world around you. So I had seen the um, infinity room installation. This was years ago. Ah, that makes years ago. And I was like, I think that's what it feels like. It feels like this sort of infinite space. That's like kind of beautiful, like really immersive and like sense sensory. Um, and so we, we created on this nothing budget, Jessica Mankey was the production designer and was such a champ, but she created a mirror room as well. First, we have like, by the way, we, yeah, right. Who you work with and we have no money. And our, the cinematographer, um, Damien Haran is like, how am I not going to see myself? So we're shooting like, love. it was such an, it was like, we did just did not have the means to actually do what we wanted to do. And we did it anyway, you know, like, so, so I think that was a pretty good training ground to, I guess like be really um, bold and like there wasn't a lot of stakes really it felt like in that space because everything was so low budget and um, but I, I really like invested in those movies and I think the way to actually survive making those movies is probably to not invest and just shoot them like they're an episode of TV and move on. Yeah. Do that like I went bankrupt like you know posting the movie and doing all the VFX and, yeah. and actually my visual effects house um ingenuity engine who is amazing that team they also did Vinspo. there you go yeah i feel like there's a couple things first of all there was like really clear having just having just watched wander roughly and then i watched the inspiration which i had seen already and was still actually by the way like some twists still got me again so again just like a really dumb audience member um or you're very good at what you're doing maybe both. but that was her twist though that was like a network note twist so i had to give her credit yeah still effective um, but the, you know, so there were a couple things that were like the visual things, like I, like the surreal, like going into the internet felt sort of reminded me of the surreal world that we were in, in Wander Darkly. And then even like specific, like now there to me, your camera moves, there was like, like having just having the camera upside down or like, a sh like turning yeah. a shot upside down. And there were things I was like, I know this shot. Like I've seen this shot. I, I see like her eye working. And, and I feel like what, what that told me though, was sort of that you were thinking about that movie in the same way that I was thinking about my weird low budget movies of like really like doing the dogged, like let's just decide that it's gonna be like an Oscar winner, even though it can yeah. never be. <laughs> like, let's just like really, you know, like how much can I learn from this and how seriously can I take this? And like, I, you know, and that there's of course things where you're like, well, right, that's not what I would have wanted if it was my dream project and there's no money, but like, what can I do? What can I accomplish here? Which, which, by the way, was um, the difference between doing in a space where nobody really wants you to do that and doing it in a space where everybody is pressing for you to be your very, very best and like that, you know, like never really good enough until you're happy. Like it's so different, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, that was the difference for me. You know, like I was trying to, I remember I had a producer say on one of those movies say, like, let's just like dial this one in and then we'll go get like a real movie. Mm -hmm. And I was like, bro, like, I don't get yeah. another one, you know, like, <laughs> this is like all I have, like, I only have the one I'm doing right now. Like I have to, so I, and even when I'm on an episode of whatever, I really try to give it my all. Like, I just want to like, that's the fun of the work, right? Like, oh, to half-ass it is just like the saddest, like, yeah. And sometimes you feel like when you're trying your hardest. So like, you might as well try, I don't know. Have you ever had the experience on episodic of being like too much because you're, you're used to your indie film world? I'm a lot. Experience I've had. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah. Like, okay, this is going to be the best ever because I've yeah, worked so hard. So good. And they're like, okay, okay, okay. But like, not always, but sometimes like enough. Like also, especially <laughs> my first few episodes were like deep season, you know, like season eight episode, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I would be like, I really want to try this thing. I don't know if you guys have ever done it. And then they'll be like, did it, <laughs> did it, we did it, we did it, we did it. I'm like, okay. But I also love those teams, you know, and I, I respect that I'm not really like breaking the mold. Like I, I get it. You know? It's just a funny, it's like very funny that the people who had to like the blood, sweat and tears that go into those indie movies that like it's lives or die by you pushing your very hardest every single day and annoying the hell out of everyone because you're just like trying to make it the best ever and then going into to, into episodic world where not not always again but sometimes people are just like whoa like whoa 
Oprah. <laughs> um, they are very excited about this show. <laughs> um, so, so are there sort of any specific um, because those just for for reference for everyone, those like that I think those shoots tend to be around fifteen days, um, yeah. and so it sort of requires you to think of ways to shoot things quickly. And I'm just wondering if there's certain like specific tips or tricks or ways you know oh if I get in a corner this is what I'll do or you know how do you think about that um you know it's so funny because it feels like several lifetimes ago that I was doing those movies but um yeah I I think I remember on Thinspo I think no maybe Lost Boy which is the last one I did sort of saying to the the producers and Sharon and and thank god they were like okay but um I said I can't make it good and cover it like in every angle. So we have to pick like either I can do, I can execute the scene the way that I think it should be put together, but it'll only be put together one way or I can like cover it from every angle, but I can't do both. I just don't have time for that. Like we don't have time for backups. Mm -hmm. And that was sort of the way that I ran was like, if you give me 14 days, there's no room for a safety net. I just have to shoot the movie I see but there's not going to be 18 movies to cut. It's just one movie. Um, and I felt that way about Thinspo too, actually. And I used that same language. It was like, mm -hmm. we don't have safety net. Like we just have to trust ourselves that our choices are good choices um, and, and that they'll work, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I think specifically like there have been times more in episodic work where you had like a big fight sequence plan and suddenly you only have an hour on the night and you like have to rethink it as a oneer and, um, that's sort of the same thing that happens, I think, on those little movies. It's yeah. just you have more experienced people helping you craft it and yeah. make sure, like, sometimes those things end up better than the original idea anyway. You know, mm -hmm. like, everybody's like, oh, crap, okay, we got to get it, we'll get it, you know, and everybody's really excited. And then you have this crazy butt dolly shot through cables and all these things of, like, an amazing fight that would have been such a pain to shoot the other way. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. That's 45 minutes, oh, you know. Um, but I, you know, look, I think, I think getting people excited, getting your crew and cast excited to make like a movie that's under a million dollars that's gonna end up on cable is hard. And that also translates into getting a crew excited, being appreciative, getting everybody on board to make something, to do your best. Like if you're showing mm -hmm. up every day excited, mm -hmm. do your best and make something cool the people around you are going to start getting excited about mm -hmm. doing their best and making something cool. So that really translates. Yeah. yeah that makes a ton of sense. To me. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it seemed what I feel like, I think you feel from what we're talking about too, is sort of like, like you can be really ambitious because you've pulled off crazy shit before, you know, yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, so that like when you're telling people for, for Wander Darkly, like, yeah, like I'm sure you had have conversations where people like looked at the schedule and they're like, can you, should we just cut some date or should we just cut some locations or like, should we simplify this? And you're like, no, I got yeah, it. Good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> By the way though, it's like, it's funny because in some way you have to be, I always say you have to be a little bit deluded mm -hmm. and a little crazy to think it's possible. Yeah. And, and you just make it happen. You know what I mean? Like yes. I, it's actually maybe my best feeling when you, everybody thinks you're crazy. And mm -hmm. if producers even say yes, even though they're like, never going to work, you know, like, <laughs> and then it works. Mm -hmm. And you're like, yeah, it's like, uh, see guys, it's all good. <laughs> I was never worried. What do you mean? It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think on uh, the one that, that worked for me was on, um, for whatever reason, when we went up to the rooftop to shoot the scene where Adrian is like threatening to jump mm -hmm. and everybody wanted us to do it like in a green screen or in a parking lot or something. And I was like, I don't see it. Like, I just don't see how you're going to get that feeling and that roof line and everything. Like, how are you going to get the skyline and everything? And so I talked to everybody. We can only have like five people on the roof. It was a super pain. Yeah. In the it took half a day. It was such a pain, but it's gorgeous. And you feel, it feels real. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just, I remember fighting. I fought for it for so long. And then we were up there or like the dolphins, you know, it was like, we can get yeah. dolphins, you know? So it was like these fights that seemed insane and, and that, you win those battles. There's like nothing as gratifying as like winning those battles. I mean, yeah. look, sometimes you're facing the sand under a wave, you know, sometimes you're like crushed and nothing's working, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, but winning those battles is a pretty, a pretty great thing. Yeah. I think it's like an under talked about 
part of the job actually is just literally being the person who keeps saying that something's not good enough until it's right is like one of those things that I think is like half my job sometimes or more. It can be really lonely. You know what yeah. I mean? Being that yeah. person who like has to set the standard of like what, what's going to make it cut for you. Like how is yeah. it going to work in the cut, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Do you, um, in terms of just how execution of things, just going back to production, um, like I'm thinking about that, that rooftop, but just because, so, so your shot lists and your shots were sometimes dictated by these really complicated, <laughs> complicated specific transitions. And you, you talked about how you have an original, uh, general sort of theme of when the camera is more chaotic or, or on Dolly, but in terms of sh do you shot list extensively, do you block with actors and let that dictate it? How do you conceive of yeah, So, I mean, I actually found this, this to be the most challenging because if, if we had had more shoot time, it would have been really nice to have spent time with the actors blocking in the locations. And we didn't have that, right? So we had a week of rehearsal where we hung out in an office and, you know, made, had a lot of conversations and all that, but we didn't get anything up on its feet in that week. Mm -hmm. There was no way for me to block. So I did do all my own blocking and shot listing, but you know, when you're working with actors who want to be a part of that process and you're not like on an episodic schedule where they're just expecting to come in and be told what to do, yeah. it gets really, it gets really tricky. And so it was really just like a, a dance, you know, it was like a, a, a balance. Like I would come in with a plan of what I wanted to do and hope that it worked for them. And if it didn't, we would like throw it out and do something else and, and take mm -hmm. that time. Um, but part of the challenge of that then was like, okay, so in my head, because I had you crossing here at the end, that built my transition and I was gonna go past you into those ribbons. And now you're gonna to cross to her earlier and there's this beautiful moment happening, which is fantastic. And I would never quit that. And this is all quietly in my head, right? Yeah. But I'm like, but now I need a new transition. Yeah. So I'm like quietly whispering with the DP, and with the producers and like talking it out, you know, and then we find something new and that, you know, and like just holding on to the performances at all costs. That mm -hmm. was like my kind of marching orders for myself, I guess, was like, but then, you know, it would be like, okay, Diego, like, I know that was a wonderful performance. Could you at the end of this take, just look to the right for me? <laughs> you know, like, you would be like, uh, you know, <laughs> you just, how, how much so of it awesome. were you just in terms of talking to actors? I feel like this is one of those like really in the weeds things, but would yeah. you literally just say, things like I need you to turn to the right or would it be like, or would you come from a motivational place of like, and then you're wondering your, your mind wanders and you, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I normally do. But for this, because of the transitions that we were building, I was like, so our, this is what our transition is going to be. This is how we get there. So you sort of look off this way and that'll motivate the camera. Um, and, and, you know, in retrospect, like the more we've talked about it on Q and A's and everything, Diego and Sienna and I, the more I have to like laugh at how insane it was to be like making them do these things. And, and it's just testament to how professional and amazing they are that they were able to like do this level of performance and also just like look to the right with no motivation, <laughs> yeah. like pull it off deep in the moment. And then like, step They're like, don't, I can hear them now. Don't tell other directors we can do this. Like, <laughs> I don't think they want to be asked this again. Um, but, but so that was a little bit, that part was really, it was just, you know, trying to say, I would like literally come in like so softly at the end. It was perfect. We're just going to go one more time. And at the end, I need to follow, I mean, the camera's going to follow you out the door, you know? And they knew, I mean, at yeah. some point we just sort of were like, okay, what, what what's the transition, you know, like. Um, I mean, this is what they signed up for. Like, it's probably, you know, when they read the script and that, you know, I'm sure they were like, yes, even if annoyed yeah. in the moment, like excited to make the film everything that, that it, the promise of the film you know like yes. bring the promise of the film to it and they're they work really differently you know like diego i mean they both have done a lot of theater but um and and their characters were so different so like while sienna had to be really unmoored diego sort of became this like what he is in the film for her which is like an anchor for her and like a real like um you know a touch point for mm -hmm. her so in some ways like with Diego, he really wanted to know all the technicalities and Sienna really didn't. And so then even our rehearsal process before we would roll was really interesting because Diego would be ready to like properly rehearse. But Sienna's work was so, uh, man, I mean, you just couldn't duplicate it in rehearsals. You couldn't be like laying that out in a rehearsal and then also do it for takes, you know? So there was like mm -hmm. a constant, like, you know, look, a dance, like I think you do in any show, but it was a really interesting 
specific process with, with all that going on, with all the technicalities on top of that. Was it um, like, how was the mood on set based on how heavy all of this is? Like how, I don't know, was it like tough? Like not, you know, like just, was it like, I don't know. <laughs> was um, it, it seemed like when, you know, because days when you have emotional actors, you know, oftentimes you're like, okay guys, like let's not like no, no, around like we kind of need to be here for this and this was such there's so you know there's so much of that in this movie I'm just curious if like if, if you sort of felt like you needed to hold that space on set in that way or yeah I mean I definitely first I'll say I I had a uh, this really lovely crew um I had asked everybody in the very beginning like at our production meeting first of all I told everybody that it was based on an experience that I'd had so people were like sort of invested in me with me sharing this personal thing um, and then I kind of asked, I said, like, it's going to be really hard work for the actors. And I just asked that people not have cell phones out when we were on set. Um, it's my least favorite thing when actors are working and like somebody sitting in a corner, like doing this, like, I just think it's bad did energy. It what? You asked people, did they do it? Yeah. Did they not? Wow. Yeah. But you know, it's sure. not like we were, I'm trying to think like, you know, we were in like an 11 by 11 bedroom. So like, yeah, like put your phone yeah. away, like for, you know, like don't have your phone out when the actors are around. Like that was basically what it was. Um, and, and, um, I think that it was definitely an intense shoot. There's like footage on set of like Carolina, like rubbing my back at monitor and me being like, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. And there's like a shot of me and Sienna on the rooftop. My face just looks like it's falling off my head. I think I wore most of the pressure on the, on the shoot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, I don't think, I don't necessarily think a shoot has to be fun to be valuable. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. it was not that shoot. Like I would joke with Carolina in the mornings. I'd be like, yeah, did you sit in your shower last night? Yep. I know. I know. And then I'd be like, you know, we could do other jobs. <laughs> we don't have to do this. We could be bakers. We could like every day she'd be like, stop saying that. <laughs> so this was a really, really hard one. And I like, yeah. I took a week long vacation with my family when we were done and I was having mm -hmm. fever dreams about it every night. You know, it was like, it was a pretty intense one for me, to be honest. Yeah. Like I, we all got into this weird headspace. It was very, yeah, I, would think, I would think so. I would have been shocked if you were like, it was just nonstop laughter. We couldn't, we cut. And then everyone just yeah. cracked up every time from now on out, it's all talking dog movies. It's all, <laughs> yeah. it's all like hilarity ensues, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, just because so that we don't end on how intense, yeah, how hard it was. <laughs> uh, but we're, we're running out of time. Is there a moment or two that were just like particularly satisfying? Either they, it was exactly what you'd pictured or it was different than you, you know, like that you just felt like I'm making this movie and this is, this is why we're doing it. Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think there's probably two, one in production and then one in the post process. Um, actually maybe both were in the post process. Like um, there's this scene where um, Adrian is in the bedroom, like digging through the clothes and everything mm -hmm. and like realizes what's happened. And I had him right here and that, that scene. And Sienna's performance was so beautiful. And, and we did have like a really subdued day on set that day. It was like, everybody was really there for her and like in full support. And um, I think, and I, and I knew it in the moment that I was like, this is really special. And this work mm -hmm. is really special. And I was really grateful to her. Like watching her work was like some of the best moments. Like she just mm -hmm. brought so much right in yeah. the moment. Um, but in post we were watching like the, one of the takes and at the end of a take, I, you can hear me like, quietly call cut. And then the camera keeps rolling for a minute and Sienna breaks character, but she can't stop crying. She's like trying to catch her breath mm -hmm. and she sits on the bed and she just crosses her legs and like, can't kind of catch her breath. Um, and it just made me really grateful. To like, like yeah. the, the, the level of, you know, yeah. work she was putting in and the depth of what she was going through again and again, every day on that set. And to just see her like on the bed, just it was something about the way she crossed her legs and sat there so vulnerable. And it, it really like um, just made me grateful to be working with great artists, to be telling something that I thought mattered, yeah. to be touching a feeling that like had been so fundamental to a change in my life. Like it was just really like that was that moment. Um, the other thing is that the day that we shot the dolphins and the end of the movie, half of the crew got sick. Um, some of the shots that you see that you think are like the driver or like not because he was puking. I mean, it was like such an incredible 
crazy. Wait, what, like got a, a flu or like no, no motion sickness. Everybody got seasick. Uh-huh. Me, like thank God, my father was like a sailor when I was a kid. Like I'm very <laughs> boat comfortable. So, um, so everybody's puking, and um, it was such a crazy day. And I didn't have my monitor stop working. So we're shooting, but I have no idea what we're shooting. No, literally no idea what we're shooting. And we get to the door, the dock and I'm like, everyone's like saying goodbye. It's like one of our last days, everybody's hugging. And like, and I literally, I'm like sitting in a corner. Like, I don't know if I have the end of my movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I have it. I have no idea. Yeah. And so I sat in a trailer with Lynette and Sam, who are the two producers from 51 entertainment. And they're like, blah, 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 Sundance and blah, blah, blah. We'll do this. And we'll do that. And they're so excited that the movie is like done, you know, that we're done. Yeah. And I just sat there like, like rock. Like I had no idea if we got the movie. And then we went into the trailer. We waited for the DIT to get the footage up. And I remember watching the footage of like those big wide shots that we got and the last shot of her with the baby. And we were all like, oh, there's the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And that was like this huge relief. And then it was actually one of the first things we cut, I think, um, and finding that song mm-hmm. uh, on an oak track. And then you're like, oh, okay. Like, this is like, here's the magic, right? We have some magic. So we yeah. just have to get everything yeah. else up to that level. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's that you, you need it to be brought down really low to be able to enjoy the high <laughs> of, I mean, of that right? success. <laughs> I hope, I always say like, if I could do one thing, I wish I could just take out like the anxiety that comes along with this work, right? Like, and I, mm-hmm. you know, speaking to all directors here, like if you could just remove the anxiety of like, oh God, it's like, <laughs> it's never going to work, you know? But I remember... Like, I think a lot of directors are like searching for the disaster, you know, in, in advance of the day. Like, you know, who was yeah. it looking for the demons under the bed when I saw him talking about Roma? Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's that feeling of like, okay, how do I get ahead of whatever crisis is about to attack? Yeah. Yeah. You carry it so that no one else has to. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. You show up prepared, right? Um, thank you so much. This is honestly, this is just what I wanted. I just wanted to get to <laughs> hear everything about the movie uh, for an hour, and now we did. So <laughs> I really thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to another DGA QA. If you'd like to hear more, the director's cut is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Stay tuned in the coming weeks as we bring you discussions of films from Gerard Bush and Christopher Renz, Nate Parker, and Aaron Schneider. And be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear your feedback, and you can help fellow film buffs find the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally. <laughs>